I think it's a great example of, 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 of design, really. Of, it, it's a very, very basic machine. You know, you've got your two wheels, your frame, your two wheels, and you power it yourself. You know, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible invention, but it's something that, that can get you to work, that, that can take you through the, the, the Alps. That it's the most amazing piece of design because it's actually quite simple in terms of the way a bike is, 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 is constructed. That was Donna Loveday, the head curator at the Design Museum. My name's Jack Thurston. Welcome to The Bike Show. The reason why Donna was um, speaking at the head of the show is because the Design Museum has just opened a brand new exhibition of bicycles. I've not been there, but somebody who has, and, and the man who is putting the questions to Donna, and we'll be hearing from her later in the show, is on the line now. Tim Dawson, welcome to The Bike Show. Welcome back to The Bike Show. Hello, Jack. Good to be here. So you went along to the Design Museum, to the opening... Was it, did you go to the opening night, the gala premiere? The press preview. What's in the show? You know, what have they got? Well, it's a whole floor of the Design Museum, uh, you know, which is a big space. Um, they've got nearly 80 bicycles, most of them contemporary. So it's not so much the, you know, the uh, 1900s bikes. Uh, there's, there's one 1888 uh, Rover safety bike, but after that, the, the chopper really is the oldest bike, it's divided into uh, four main zones, one of high-performance bikes, so, so racing bikes, as you would generally recognize them, of one kind or another, uh, one of thrill-seekers, which are BMX and trail-style bikes, urban riders, the kind of things that we get around the city on, and quite a lot of folders represented there, and cargo bikes, bicycles that carry things. Um, it's, it's an impressive and interesting collection. So this is a chiefly an exhibition of bicycles as objects, is it? It is. Uh, there are some apparel, there are some bags, there are some helmets, and there's a display that looks a little bit at urban design of cities where cycling, uh, you know, has, has varying degrees of penetration. But mostly it's bicycles of which, uh, I mean, their literature says there are 77, but I think they're not counting some of the ones in bits. And I mean, there's, there's 80, 80 or so bicycles in all. And are there any particularly historic or important bicycles? Not just the model of the bicycle, you mentioned a chopper, but the bicycle, that, that particular bike that's done something interesting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, among the performance bikes, um, there's a really nice selection of bikes that have gone very fast on the track, particularly the Our, our Record bikes. So there is uh, Eddie Merckx's um, Our Record bike from uh, 1972. Uh, there is the bike on which Merckx's record was broken by Francesco Moser. There is uh, Chris Boardman's Lotus Type 108 bike, on which he won gold at the Barcelona Olympics in 1992. And there is Bradley Wiggins' Our Bike. So, you know, those are the actual, the actual wheels on which those great rides were, were made. And they make a fascinating set, actually, because it's clear over a period of time that you would, you know, you would consider the modern age in design terms. The bicycle goes from this very simple thing on which Merckx was riding through the sort of, Art Nouveau curves of Moser to something that really does look like it's from the space age from Chris Borgman onwards. Anything else that you found particularly interesting that, that drew your eye? Nice collection of folders. You know, sometimes uh, a, a neglected area, I think, of cycle design, but from, from early Moulton's through one of the first Brompton prototypes to things like the Strider, uh, which, which, you know, often aren't talked about in the um, pantheon of 
of folding bike development. There's some really interesting cargo bikes as well. The two that really jumped out at me, there's one called the, um, the the Rocket Bike, which looks like something from a Jules Verne film. It was designed by a, a guy called Jeremy Miles, who's based in Poole in Dorset. And he wanted to get his children uh, and buckets and spades from home to beach. And so he designed a bike around those needs. And it was cl- it's clearly something that, that any child of a certain age would just be absolutely thrilled to get on with its kind of, you know, Victorian space age styling. The only downside of that, if you, I mean, the price of these bikes aren't mentioned in the design museum but if you google you see that it'll cost you nearly five thousand pounds which would would make for quite an expensive way of transporting your kids to the beach the donkey bike designed by ben wilson um i think in london is a really really interesting cargo carrier it looks a little bit like a molten f-frame but is very simply built from rectilinear section steel and is designed to carry you know it has integral carriers at front and rear in 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 the way that Morton's used to appear to and at 500 pounds i can see you know that looks like to me like a really inexpensive cheap to use big bulk carrier of a kind i'm not sure i've seen before so did you feel like you wanted to ride these bikes rather than just look at them i always feel like i want to ride the bikes um, in fact, you know, there is a there's a TFL bike hire place outside it, outside the design museum. And, you know, my first reaction coming out was I want to get on a bike and actually explore these exciting streets around the design museum. So, yes, I mean, it's very difficult to experience any of them without actually throwing your leg over the crossbar and, and doing a bit of pedalling. If I have a criticism of the the exhibition, it's that there's something slightly antiseptic about uh, about just looking at the bikes and not being able to properly experience them. Yeah, I think the, the English translation of a famous poem by Pablo Neruda says that a bicycle without a rider has no soul. A static bicycle lent by the wall has no soul. And uh, it's only when someone's riding it that it that it comes alive so I, I wonder how much you can actually glean from looking at a bike whether it really works it might look as if it works but does it really work there's an there's an awful lot of discussion at, at the minute about aerodynamic bicycles for racing and whether they actually work they work in a wind tunnel where you've got a very regulated kind of wind and, and, a, and a specific kind of way of measuring it but does it actually work out on the road where you've got all kinds of different winds that that can't be replicated in the wind tunnel so there's there, and, and then you know look talking about new designs of cargo bike it might look like a beautiful arrangement of uh, of cargo but does it actually handle well you can't tell that can you by looking at it no, you can't. I guess you could go to a tryout show. I mean, one goes to, to bike shows where they do let you try bikes out, and probably they're not going to let you try out, you know, the latest Pinarellos that Sky are, are using in the professional peloton or historic bikes like ones that have been ridden by Francesco Moser. So, so I guess you are getting something slightly different to that tryout experience, but it would be fantastic uh, to, to, to actually have a go on some of these bikes. And actually... I mean, although there is some quite interesting contextualising material, there are there are films of cyclists talking. I mean, both from you know famous, well-known people like Paul Smith to um, people certainly whose names I don't know from the Veteran Cycle Club, talking about what attracts them to cycling, which are interesting. And there's some nice um, bits of video footage of BMX riders uh, and people like Danny McCaskill. But the whole experience of cycling is is essentially secondary to the designs of the bicycles themselves, which perhaps is what one would expect from a design museum. But it was hard not to feel ever so slightly frustrated that you couldn't really get to grips with them. Do you think that someone who is not interested in cycling, one of the design museum's customers, 
who is has no interest in in cycling would they get something out of this exhibition has the design museum brought some insights to understanding bicycle design that might have interest outside the world of of cycling i mean somebody who who already had a deep interest let's say in aerodynamics or in uh, metal technology could probably go to this in the same way that they could go to a, a car museum or an aeroplane museum and find things to interest them. It's whether somebody who, who has a sort of generalised interest in manufactured goods would feel transported by these things in the way that somebody who had a pre-existing fascination with bicycle design had. And I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think, I think if one took uh, a young person round, let's say, uh, who didn't already have a fascination with cycling, it would take quite a bit of explanation by the adult or quite a bit of, sort of teeing up some of the ideas about why this was important or why that was important to really get people engaged. So why do you think that the Design Museum did put on a show um, of bicycles? That's a question I put to Donald Loveday, so let's listen to what she told me. I think what was interesting for me is that talking to so many cyclists who are passionate about what they, you know, their bikes and, and, and cycling in general, I, I suppose what I wanted to get, the, the, I wanted to get the heart, I wanted to get the, the nitty-gritty, it was sort of, why are you so passionate about cycling? What is it? Now I understand, um, and I will certainly be cycling more frequently than I do. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's the fact that it's, you know, this, this, this access to a healthy lifestyle access to these amazing environments that you can cycle in a bike that you you know you love and people develop these these amazing bonds with their bikes you know they're very close to their bikes and in the film that closes the exhibition you know we've invited a number of high profile cyclists to talk about what cycling means and they all say the same thing it gives me the freedom you know it, the, the, and, and also the sort of the to leave the laptop behind you know leave, leave my work life out and just get out there and cycle that was Donna Loveday, head curator at the Design Museum, explaining why they'd chosen to um, to feature bicycles in their museum. And that's kind of an interesting response in a way, because I would have thought she might have said something about, well, it's such a fascinating area of design. It's, it, it's an area that is full of innovation and, um, and technological advancement and, and change. But she said that she wanted to understand why people loved their bikes. I'm not sure actually that's a question that the exhibition answers. I mean, I think, you know, if one's being slightly cynical about this, I mean, they did do a very major exhibition uh, of historic cycles in 1997, the, the Prior Dodge Collection, which was a fantastic exhibition. Cycling clearly is very hot at the moment. Uh, they need to get people into their museum, uh, although this is the last show that will, will, will take place at the Design Museum that's been beside the Thames uh, for the past 20 odd years I think they know that it's something that will attract the punters in and it might have been better if they had taken an approach of really trying to answer some of the questions about about bicycles why is the design that, that, that really comes into its current form in the 1880s why was that so revolutionary but why has it remained so stable really in the in the period in, in, in the succeeding period and why even if one accepts that cyclists are a minority of the population which clearly they are why is it that so many of them feel quite so passionately about their bicycles is it because it's just a a a, a unique and fantastic piece of design or is it because actually a large part of the cycling is something that the cyclists themselves contributes it's an enabler of, of human experience that is actually quite discreet in enjoying that experience perhaps 
those are questions that they might have explored a bit more. I mean, there's a couple of issues there. One is, if you asked the late Dr. Alex Moulton why they'd stuck with the diamond frame design from 1885, um, he'd he'd have said, well, it's the UCI, it's the sports regulators who wouldn't allow anything else and the very conservative bicycle manufacturers who are happy to play along with that because um, it suited them. Was there any discussion of the way in which sports regulation has hampered innovation? No, not really. And actually, I, I was going to mention, if, if I were kind of working up my criticisms of the exhibition, I mean, as I said, there's a really nice display of Moulton's and of Brompton's and other folding bikes, but there's no real attempt to explain why the F-frame Moulton was so revolutionary, why it's such an extraordinary turning point in bicycle design. There's only one F-frame from memory, and so it's presented... Uh, with the the more recent uh, Milton AM space frames, which on one level look a lot more impressive and look a lot more, you know, my goodness, it's held together with wires and that's amazing. But actually, all of those bikes, amazing as they are, are a kind of tiny niche market that's been developed from a pre-existing idea from the 1960s that, that really is far more important you know the the f-frame Moulton is a you know it was a, it was a mass a successful mass market product that actually revolutionized bicycle design and had i been designing the exhibition i would have really gone to town on explaining to people why that was so important and perhaps then again you know it's nice to see some early brompton prototypes because you know the the, the now sort of ubiquitous brompton but again really digging into what it was that Andrew Ritchie did with Brompton that makes it this, you know, it's now among the most successful bicycles ever produced in Britain, if not one of the most successful British consumer goods of the present moment. And, you know, digging into that rather than just saying, well, here's one in a fantastic green shade and here's one in a fantastic orange shade, I think is a more interesting way of engaging people with the idea of the process of design and the way in which the process of design Uh, feeds into uh, commercial operations. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. On the question of people loving their bicycles, it made me think of uh, Patrick Field, who who said in a lecture that he gave a few years ago that we did rebroadcast on on the bike show, don't love your bike, save your love for things that can love you back. Well, people, I suppose, that can love you back. And I've always thought that that was a very wise thing to say. And, And I felt that though I've had strong desires to acquire bicycles that maybe border on 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 something um, carnal. Once I've got a bicycle, it very quickly becomes a tool. And though I have affection, I suppose very loose fondness. I don't know. These are all actually too strong uh, for for. I, I don't think I feel any stronger about a bicycle than a, fa- a favorite bicycle than I do about you know a favorite teapot or a favorite. I don't know, anything. Physical objects, unless they're works of art, and I suppose this is maybe where we get into the, into the, into the tricky area, are, are physical objects. That's all they are. You, know, what, you can't really love them. Can you, can you love them? I don't know. This is philosophical. <laughs> I, 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 guess, I guess if love is a term that we use to describe things that we principally feel for other humans, then we probably should avoid using that term to express the way in which we feel about a bicycle. That said, I do feel a sometimes almost transcendental affection 
for bicycles. I wouldn't put it on the same plane as that which I feel for my children. But there is something about the way in which a bicycle kind of completes your body. I suppose that's what it sometimes feels like. It, 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 you, you, you interact with it both very intimately for very long periods of time and you have experiences together of a kind that, you know, I, I, I think, if I'm being completely honest, is, 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 a, is, a, is a kind of uh, an illusion or a trick. But nevertheless, I, I, I found myself feeling very strongly about bicycles that I've, I've, I've spent quite a lot of time with. Right, and that feeling is not just when you're riding them. It, it carries on afterwards once you've put them back in the bike shed. Yes, it is. It is the idea that something, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the greatest bicycle polisher and, and nobody who inspected my chains would say, here's somebody who, who, who lavishes love and affection on their bicycles. But I, I would feel wounded. I, I, the thought of, 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 of one of my bicycles uh, coming to some kind of unpleasant end uh, is, is one that I could feel real grief for. I suppose thinking about it, when you have, when you're the victim of, a bicycle theft then you do feel a kind of sense of loss and sadness that is probably more than um, you might feel for certain other objects or if you have a prang in your car that is going to cost you some money to fix Um, I guess if I was to have a crash on a bicycle and it was to be written off I'd probably just go oh well that was just the way that that bicycle ended its time but when it's nicked off you and you know that someone else is riding it now, yeah, that we're getting into kind of amorous sort of um, uh, feelings of, uh, of, of betrayal and loss and um, all those other kind of feelings that you might feel when you lose a loved, a loved one, especially if they run off. <laughs> well, that's a whole other area of human life. To, to, to give an example, kind of looking at it the other way, when my son was three, I think, I read an article about a product called Like a Bike, uh, which was an early example of the now rather familiar uh, pedalless push along with your feet bicycles that somebody you know decided would work very well for pre-cycling toddlers. And I spent quite a lot of money buying this one that somebody had imported from Germany, and it was a it was kind of fabulous. Yeah, I don't know, I spent one hundred and fifty pounds. It was a fantastically made thing, and for eight or nine months my son and I every Saturday morning went to the park close by where we lived and I rode my bike and he pushed himself along on his Leica bike but inevitably he grew out of the bike and it languished uh, in my loft for a while until somebody else mentioned that they were wondering about getting their own child uh, you know a bit mobile on a bike and I said well I've got just the thing and I've carried on doing that and I think that 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 little Leica bike has now done 10 or 11 children each of them in that phase whenever it is between about three to five when pedaling a proper bike seems very difficult but pushing themselves along on their feet is is really easy and i i get really excited about the the amount of human experience that's been invested in that really rather simple uh, maintenance-free piece of, I mean, it is actually entirely made from wood and, 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 and rubber. And, you know, I think there's a kind of magic about that, that it's played, I hope, a transformational life in really quite a lot of children's developmental experience. You know, that to me, if that particular bike was lost, well, you know, so be it. But but there is something magical about something having been connected with so many lives. I've wondered about painting the names of all the children on it who have experienced it. I mean, some of whom, you know, were very slight acquaintances. 
Uh, well, you make the case very well for bike love. Um, it'd be interesting to hear what uh, what everyone else thinks about that. Um, let us know. You can tweet the bike show at the bike show on Twitter. Um, send us an email: bike show at resonancefm.com. Other places where you can look at bikes besides the design museum for the next couple of months in London. Um, there are collections of bicycles around the place. Which ones have you been to, and which ones would you would you recommend others um, make the journey to? I mean, there are nice permanent collections at the Coventry Transport Museum and at the Glasgow Transport Museum. Coventry, obviously, you know, with a with a very strong claim to be home of the bicycle. I mean, there's a lot of cars in their transport museum as well, because obviously Coventry, I mean, on the back of the cycling industry became, uh, you know, arguably the home of the British motor industry. But a strong and interesting collection there that's that's worth uh, a trip for. Likewise, Glasgow. I mean, the Glasgow Transport Museum is an absolutely fantastic building. Um, you know, re- re- three, four years old, designed by Zaha Hadid on the side of the Clyde. Nice collection of bicycles there. Um, you know, as well as ships and 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 aeroplanes and cars. There is a, an establishment called the National Cycle Museum in Llandrindod Wells in Mid Wales which is a, a, an enormous collection of bicycles. I mean, it, it, I have to say, as, as, as a location for a visit, you've got to be fairly determined to go there unless you already live in mid-Wales. It's a museum run by enthusiasts, and, you know, that brings with it strengths and weaknesses. It's in a lovely building called, I think, the Automobile Palace, a of Art Deco building that once uh, housed what was clearly a very smart garage, um, and it, I mean, it is a vast collection, vast and really quite important collection. But it might seem to somebody who doesn't have a pre-existing sort of immersion in cycle history, like an awful lot of old bicycles rammed into a relatively small space with relatively little explanatory material. And then, I mean, there are obviously various private collections, but they're they're, they're rather harder to get access to. Private collections. Um, what what do you know about private collections, and and how, how would you recommend people go about um, getting let in to some of these? There's Michael Embacher's collection in Vienna, which is the subject of that terrific book um, out a couple of years ago. Um, was it a hundred iconic bicycles published by Thames and Hudson? Others, other great individual personal private collections you know there are a few in the uk i'm i'm slightly reluctant to 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 mention individuals names because they're not you know i i don't think there are people they're necessarily people who publicize the okay significant collections around the veteran cycling club you know and here so here we're talking about about historic collections yeah um there are quite a lot of people with with uh you know scores if not hundreds of bikes which through the columns of the Bone Shaker and the other organs of uh, the Veteran Cycle Club, people would probably open up to people who had a, a scholarly interest. Right. Um, I, I think if one was... And, and to be honest, you know, I think you probably would need to have a reasonably scholarly interest to make much sense of a barn of bicycles in Aberdeenshire. But I've no doubt that there would be a kind of generosity of sharing from people, say, involved in the Veteran Cycle Club if if you did want to... Uh, have a look at one of those those collections that various of them I think own. Well, one of the um, collections that I've heard a lot about, although I've never actually been there, is the Science Museum's collection, which is not on show, but is somewhere in um in the Oxfordshire Wiltshire border in um, an aircraft hangar. The Science Museum has a sort of overflow 
um, archive out in the countrysides there of these, these old Second World War aircraft hangars. And in, in one of them, I think there is actually an aircraft, uh, but in the, in the others, there are a lot of bicycles, apparently. And this is kind of the holy grail, I think, for... Uh, for bicycle uh, enthusiasts is to, is to get into those. I have spoken, remember talking to Tony Hadland, who actually lives n- nearby, and he has been in. Um, but he's, he, I mean, he's a very scholarly, scholarly man, so I suppose he sort of passed muster. Um, have you heard about the Science Museum's collection? I, I don't know about it specifically. I guess what one forgets as a, as a consumer of museums is that as well as providing you know, what are essentially visitor attractions, they are learning bodies who maintain archives of material uh, much of which won't be on display most of the time but but you know part of their of their function as learned institutions is carefully collecting and documenting those things perhaps i mean you know the science museum has opened new facilities over time uh, i mean perhaps what we really need is a, is 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 a campaign to take that collection that the science museum has to create a a UK museum of cycling that really does the 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 pursuit and the design and the level of interest in it at the moment justice. I mean that would be something that people you know could perhaps re- you know really get behind and and get some of these fantastic things that we are told in a hangar in Oxfordshire in front of the public. Well, that sounds like a great idea. Um, maybe the campaign should start here. I'll, I'll draft a letter. Um, if you know of any excellent bicycle museums that um i should know about and tim should know about let us know a twitter at the bike show email bike show at resonancefm.com maybe the idea of opening up individual private collections and just ordinary bike sheds on a particular day of the year you could have it like open house you could call it open bike shed day um, might be an idea i, I realise that this might be an invitation to thieves to to know where all the bikes are kept so it might not fly um in that respect but that would be quite a nice thing to do, wouldn't it? Like artists have open studios. Um, people who've got some interesting bikes or, or some inter- an interesting bike shed might just throw open the doors on, on a single day a year. I think that's a really lovely idea. Even even somebody with, I, I, I don't know, maybe I own a, a, a dozen bikes at most. Um, but, you know, just occasionally you happen upon somebody who says, oh, yes, I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to have a look at those. And there's something lovely about sharing them and, 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 and showing them off and explaining why this one of was of interest to me and why that one was. And, and, you know, to be honest, none of mine are particularly valuable, but it would be delightful. I'd, I'd, I'd happily spend the day sitting beside my modest collection, explaining them to anybody who chose to come by. Well, the Cycle Revolution exhibition is on... Oh, it's on all the way until the middle of next year. So they really are they really are wanting to cash in on the on the bike boom. Um that's until the thirtieth of June at the Design Museum. And um does it is it an exhibition you have to pay to go? You do have to pay to go in. And it's thirteen pounds for an adult, uh nine seventy five for students, free for under sixes, and six pounds fifty for children uh, between six and fifteen. And I think there are family tickets and all the rest of it. And presumably, if you're a member of the Design Museum, you get to come and go as you please. And I think for that entry price, you do get to see the rest of the Design Museum. And it will be your last opportunity to do so before they move to their uh, new facility. Tim, thank you very much for, for filling us in on, um, on the Design Museum's show. And uh, astute listeners 
will will know that um, Tim and I are the co-editors of the Bicycle Reader, which has been a little bit um, on the back burner, to say the least, for the last couple of years. Is it that long? Probably is, actually, isn't it? But we have got an issue three, which is um, not too far away from hitting the um, E presses. So look out for that. Uh, anything else that you're that you're up to in in Mundo Bicicleta? <laughs> Uh, well, I've, I've revived my cycling books website, which has also been through a bit of a lacuna. Uh, but actually, the the, the 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 quantity of cycling publishing is now so dizzying that I can't really hope to review it all. But I certainly plan to review the best. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Bike Show with me, Jack Thurston, and Tim Dawson. From both of us, goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, hey, check that. La bicyclette, mais pas vraiment les pédales. Je déambule dans les dédales, fais des backflips sur les dos d'Anne. J'aime zigzaguer, voir les flics aux aguets. Car quand je roule dans Paname, je suis accompagné par Ricard. J'aime pas quand il y a du monde sur la route, tout la boue. Quand je suis seul pour traverser Paris de bout en bout. Quand on partait le bon matin, il y avait JR, il y avait Firmin à bicyclette façon Barry. Il y a beaucoup moins de baratins car je suis un pilote insupportable. J'utilise mon portable, ça cache les délits avec des rapages et je fais des ravages. Quand je suis dans un batterie, un tour de bicyclette et je reviens moi-même, ouais, telle est ma bosse secrète. J'aime les grosses descentes, les sensations fortes. Je crains personne légal à bord, je l'attends qu'elle m'emporte. C'est un voyage trois places, je t'emmène sur ma triplette. Pour moi, jamais rien ne remplacera ma bicyclette. Spécialiste en action scénique, garçon des villes, j'ai retourné génération, mais là cherche une station vélique, tous mes pailles sont fébriles, tout le clan sous H mon crew, l'entourage, Marc noté dit, impossible de voir mon crew sans bédo, chou sans pélo qui cruise en vélo, cherchant tout le temps des lots, soirée piscine d'art, bitches d'art, les vigiles noirs ont des fourrailles, puis on fly sur la piste cyclable, j'kick du grand art, tu veux vivre longtemps, touche pas ma mif, mon genre arcéphale sur du hive montant, avant d'être dans le réseau, d'être le phénomène, négro je roulais dans ma ville, avec mon vélo vert, j'avais pas besoin, des bourses et des mailles, le rap c'est comme la ride pour avancer, faut pousser les dalles, pé, get la on, roule la zèbre, la son, confonce dans le mur avec la vitesse de l'aine, Armstrong. If, like me, you're rather enjoying this groovy reworking of Yves Montand's Abicyclette, you'll want to know that it's by Hip Hope Buster, featuring Alpha One, and uh, released this year on Hip Hope Buster Records. De la vitesse, je crois que la parano me cherche. J'ai mal aux fesses, ouais. j'ai besoin d'une escalope. Je te monte sur ma bicyclette si tu veux test salope. Allez, viens, on s'envole. Je suis idiote, t'es en voie arrière, on décolle. Je descends jusqu'à Tahiti. On atterrit dans les contrées magnifiques. Porté et bercé par le rythme de la musique. Moi et mon pote de R, on prend tous les itinéraires. Billes en tête à la conquête de l'univers. Au compteur, un tas de kilomètres. Ma bicyclette. Si on vous demande justement d'utiliser prochainement la bicyclette, qu'est-ce que vous ferez Moi je le ferai. Très agréable. Mais comme vous portez, je vois une mini jupe, est-ce que ce sera pas gênant pour vous Non, parce que c'est une jupe culotte. Ah, j'achète votre bicyclette.